Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. We're grateful and thankful. Just open up our hearts to your truth, Lord. Just speak through me in in ways um, that maybe I don't even understand, Father. Hide me behind the truth of your word and behind your cross, and may you receive honor and glory, Father, as we're transformed more and more to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I want to invite you this morning to take your Bibles and open to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. In case you didn't notice, there are uh, very few seats in here. I don't think there are any empty seats. We got a lot of extra chairs out and people in overflow. And this is D-Now weekend, right? Students, just one time, you don't usually get to do this in the worship service. Let's just give a big cheer and a yell for this weekend. You ready? Let's go. Was it, was it good? Was it good? Yeah? Awesome. We had 11th and 12th grade girls at our house and heard nothing but good things. I've got some notes here that, that Pastor John gave me. Uh, total decision cards. This is just from our group. I think we had about 100. John, are you in here? About 160 total students and workers from Rosemont. So this whole section, just so you'll know, in about five rows of this section are D-NOW students and, and workers, parents. Total decision cards, which means they made some sort of decision this week, and 105 of these students began a relationship with Jesus. 15, 15 students. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they desire a one-on-one discipleship or accountability group. 16 decided to do that. Uh, committed to read the word daily. 54. That's awesome. Awesome, man. Parents, hey, we need to be doing it as well, right? We need to be doing it as well. So just an incredible week, an incredible weekend opportunity for these guys to to hear God's word and to be challenged by his word. And we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. We wanted you to feel special this weekend and have a great experience. We hope you did. I hope it continues this morning in our time of worship and in our study of God's word. And I think God's got a word for you this morning, students. I really think this passage of Scripture applies to you. I think it's going to invade your hearts a little bit. I hope it does. I hope it challenges all of us and leads us to kind of a place of deeper understanding. We're continuing our study this morning. Those of you that have been with us for a while, you'll know this. If you're new this morning, we've been studying through the book of Mark. And the book of Mark is an interesting book because it's one of the four Gospels. talks about the life of Jesus, talks about how he lived, where he walked, the miracles that he uh, uh, performed. And we see some interesting things. One of the things I love about preaching through a book of the Bible, and we do this pretty regularly here, is that we see patterns. We learn things uh, a couple of weeks ago that we can apply now, and it just kind of builds and builds. And one of the things we've seen, we're going to see it again this morning, is the excitement and the numbers of people around Jesus is going to continue to grow. We've seen that over the last several weeks. We're going to see it again this morning. We're at a point in his ministry, and I need to understand this. We're at a point in his ministry where probably thousands of people, now thousands and thousands of people are following Jesus. They've come as far as Jerusalem, 100 miles they've walked to see Jesus, to hear what Jesus is doing. So Jesus has been teaching them. He's been training them. But as his popularity increases, the opposition from the religious leaders has increased as well. So there's this interesting parallel, right? You guys like math, right? Everybody like math? No booze in the worship service. Come on now. If you were to graph this, I know y'all are excited to hear about graphing on a Saturday Sunday morning. If you were to graph it, though, the graph is moving up in popularity, but at the same time, the graph of opposition is moving up as well, right? The Pharisees, the religious leaders don't like Jesus. 
They don't like what he's doing. They don't like the excitement of people following him. They don't like the miraculous things that are going on. And so they've already plotted to destroy him. Their anger and hatred from him is going to continue to grow. So Jesus is kind of forced to do something very interesting. He's done it the last couple of weeks. He's going to do it again this morning. Jesus has been forced to kind of begin to talk about true passionate followers and people who are just kind of along for the ride. And we talked about this last week, and, and we looked at passages of Scripture when Jesus called the people together and began to teach him. And we're seeing kind of this clear picture develop in Scripture that there are some people that are willing to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth and do whatever it takes. There are others that are just kind of fair weather. As long as they're getting what they need, things are good. And as soon as Jesus quits providing what they want, they're going to stop following him. So the challenge for us always is to figure out how do we fall into that category of being a sincere follower of Christ. He's going to continue that thought together this morning. So we're going to jump right in this morning and see Jesus teaching us in a little bit of a different manner this way and really challenging the way we live. Mark chapter 4, beginning of verse 9. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow with us on the screen. Mark chapter 4, verse, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I think I said 9. Beginning in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and here it is again, here's the same theme, a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, right? The crowd is so big now, he's got to get in a boat, push out a couple hundred feet out into the water so he can preach to all these people at one time. Now verse 2. And as he was teaching many things in parables, as, excuse me, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now I need to pause for a second and talk to anybody under the age of 40 just for a second, okay? If you're over the age of 40, you understand what sowing and a sower means, right? Because there was probably a time in your life when granddaddy or grandmama or maybe mama or daddy made you go out in the garden or field or wherever you lived and do some work in the garden, right? We remember those days, adults? Students, most of y'all don't garden, right? In fact, the world we live in, that's, that's pretty much a thing of the past. We don't do that anymore. So I want you to understand that we're going to use these phrases. I want you to get them and understand them. I don't want you to be confused. A sower and someone who's sowing is basically somebody that's scattering seed. That's the old school word they use. So if I had a, a big pouch of seed and I reached my hand down into the seed and I just started kind of flicking seed out all on the ground, I would be sowing, okay? I would be sowing the seed. That's what this guy's talking about, right? That's what Jesus is talking about. This guy is sowing seed. So verse 3, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. He's going to spread some seed. Verse 4, <clears throat> as he sowed or as he spread seed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. Verse 6, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold. A hundredfold. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. Continue in verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Like they wanted to know what this meant. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Right? See the different groups, right? For the people that understand 
They're going to hear and know for the people outside. They're not going to understand, verse 12, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do not under, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now we're going to continue, verse 14. Jesus is going to explain this parable. Right, the sowing of the seed and the path and the rocks, he's going to explain it. Look at verse 14. The sower sows the word. Right, So Jesus says, listen, the seed is like the word of God. It's like the gospel, verse 15. And these are the ones along the path. And I can just envision Jesus pointing to people. Like this group over here is like the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes away the word that is sown to them. Verse 16, and these, he points to another group. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Verse 20, but those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, I'm going to stop there, and I want to draw out a truth I want you to see that's very important. Students, I think this verse, these verses speak to you. I think there's truth in them that you can apply Every moment of your life. Truth number one, we have it on the screen. We must plant the seed of God's goodness and love everywhere we go and prepare hearts to receive God's word. That's kind of a long truth, but let me give it to you again. We must plant the seed of God's goodness and love everywhere we go and prepare to receive God's word. Now, Jesus is teaching in parables, right? Parables are just stories that kind of have one main meaning. And so we don't get bogged down in the details of parables. Like, we don't wonder where was the path or what kind of rocks were in the ground or what sort of a thorn bush is Jesus talking about, right? We don't get bogged down in the details. Instead, we understand kind of the the main truth, the main idea that Jesus is teaching. So let me kind of give you the main idea of this parable, then I want to think through it together. Here's the the, kind of the the main idea Jesus is saying. Listen, this guy's going to sow seeds He's going to scatter seed, and and this can be a little discouraging, but I want you to listen. This is important. Three out of four of the soils that he mentioned won't believe. You understand that? Three out of four places are not going to bear fruit. Three out of four areas are not going to grow, and Jesus explains that, and he kind of gives us a list here. He says the the first area that the, the farmer or the sower scatters the seed is on a path. Like We could think about a concrete path. Right? You, you go to your school or even walking up to the church on a Sunday morning, there's a, the concrete and asphalt. And if you took seed and scattered it on that asphalt or scattered it on that concrete, guess what would happen? It wouldn't grow there. In fact, what, what the Lord says is when you scatter that seed, immediately Satan comes like little birds come and gather the seed and eat the seed. And it doesn't have any place to grow because the soil is compacted and hard and nothing can grow in there. And then he says there's kind of the rocky ground. The rocky ground is when you, you throw the seed on the ground and there's a lot of big rocks. And there's enough dirt in there that the, the roots kind of start to grow a little bit at first. But as soon as the sun hits them 
or a struggle in their life comes or, or some sort of temptation arises, they fall away. The Bible says they wither away. This would have been the group following Jesus, by the way. The large crowd that followed Jesus, he's going to teach them. Something is going to spring up pretty quickly. But when we get to the middle part of the book of Mark, Mark 8 or so, Jesus is going to call them to a deeper walk. They're going to fade away. The third group he lists, lists here are the thorns. Now this one, if he were preaching to the 21st century, this would be us. I want you to listen to what he says. He says, the, this is verse, pull verse 19 up if you would. I want you to see verse 19. He says, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfaithful. Jesus says, listen, there are other people that struggle with the things of the world. They want riches or they want stuff or they've got their eyes on things other than what Christ teaches. And those people, when the gospel is sown in their lives, they're not going to grow into fruit either. Now here's the problem, right? Three out of these four areas are not growing. The soil is rocky. The soil is too hard. They're, they're thorn bushes. Here's the problem. I want you to see this. This is, this is crucial for us to understand the meaning of this parable. Now watch. The problem in these parables is not with the seed. The problem is with the ground. Okay, now watch this. We're going to transfer this to ours. We're going to apply this to our lives. Our problem right now is not the truth of the gospel in our lives. It's the fact that we don't want to receive it because our hearts have been hardened. You understand that? Problem isn't with God's word. Problem isn't with God's teaching. The problem is, for whatever reason, our hearts have been hardened and we're not interested in hearing the truth of God. We're not able to hear the truth of God's word speaking in our lives. I used to have a spot at our house beside our driveway. We, we moved from there several years ago. But right beside our driveway was grass, like many other people. But we lived on kind of a busy road, and so we didn't have a whole lot of parking on the street. So if we had people over, either they had to all fit in the driveway, which was, you know, two or three cars, maybe four cars, or they had to pull off the driveway and park in the grass, which is pretty normal. But I had this one spot right beside my driveway that had been parked on so many times over the years, it was just barren. It was just dirt. It was a patch of dirt. It wasn't a big patch of dirt, but, you know, five or six feet across, six or eight feet wide, just a patch of dirt because cars had parked over it so many times, it was hard. And I, I, I went one time to try to plant something there. I wanted to see if I could get some grass grow. I couldn't even get my shovel into the ground. It was so hard. You have to get a pickaxe and begin to break through the first probably six or seven inches of that dirt because it had been compacted so much, pushed down so long, the sun had beaten down on it that nothing would grow in it, right? That's kind of the idea that Jesus is using in this teaching about our hearts, right? If, if we're not careful, students and adults, if we're not careful, we allow the things of this world to, to beat us down and to kind of hammer us for so long that our hearts get hardened and we're no longer able to receive the truth of God's word. You understand that? Now, that's, a, that's a challenge because we struggle with a lot of things, don't we? It's a challenge because we understand life can be difficult. We struggle with anger. We, we struggle with bitterness. We, we struggle with broken relationships. We, we Struggle with unfulfilled expectations at work. On and on the list goes. And if we're not careful, we allow those things to make us angrier and, and more bitter. And all of a sudden, we're so angry at the Lord or so angry at his word that we're no longer listening. We're no longer able to receive what he's saying to us. One writer explained it like this. He said, a hardened heart 
dulls a person's ability to perceive and understand. When people are hard-hearted toward God, it's like they are spiritually blind and deaf. Now, parents, you need to know this, and I want to say this about our students, right? Parents, you probably already know this, but just in case you don't know it and need to be reminded of it, it's not easy in our current world to be a teenager. Like, I have the opportunity of talking with these students sometimes. Sometimes they'll let me in a little bit, kind of behind the curtain, and tell me things they're struggling with or what's going on in their life. And the things they're dealing with now, the things they have to navigate through, would have probably crushed me when I was 16, honestly. And I had the opportunity this weekend to talk to some students and have conversations. And, and you need to know, these students struggle oftentimes with things that we don't all often see. And, and sometimes we don't fully understand. So just a, a word of encouragement, students, we're praying for you. Right, adults? We should be praying for you. We love you. And we want God's best for you. And we believe that this truth found in this word is a foundation upon which you can build your life. But it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Because we struggle with things at school, you struggle with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you struggle with your parents because, frankly, they just don't understand anything, right? And it's hard for us. But I want to encourage you as you understand this teaching and you understand this truth to guard your hearts in Christ. I'm beginning to kind of understand something. It took me maybe 45 years to figure this out. And I've been thinking about it for several years, but the kind of the older I get and the more I talk to people, the more I realize it. I used to think that when somebody was was a non-believer, all that had to happen is you share the gospel with them, immediately they're going to repent, get saved, and then everything's going to be great for them. That was very naive of me in my younger age, right? I understand now it's a little more complicated than that. Listen, don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The Word of God is powerful, it is true, it does change hearts, and it does change lives. But sometimes people's minds and hearts are so bitter to the things of Christ, they're so hardened that their first step towards Christ may not be repentance and salvation. It may take us being involved in their lives, walking them through, helping them understand the situation they're in in order for them to receive the truth of God's word. Because here's what a good farmer understands. Here's what a good sower understands. If something's really going to grow in the ground, it takes you preparing the soil in advance for it to happen. We have a garden at our house. We've had a garden for, I don't know, three or four or five years. And there are a couple of people in our church that are a little bit older than us that have come along beside us and helped us understand. Because if it were for me, nothing would have grown because I don't really understand gardening. But the one thing I've learned about gardening, well, not the one, but one of the main things I've learned about gardening is you don't just go out there the day you're ready to grow some corn and plant some corn seed. You don't just walk out there one day and plant corn seed and the next day corn sprouts up and then you eat it, right? What we understand instead is that literally months ahead of time, you're preparing the ground. You're tilling it up. You're putting nutrients into the soil. You're already getting the weeds out. You're tilling it up again at a certain point. You're putting lime into it. You're putting fertilizer. There's this process that takes place months and weeks leading up to the first time you ever put anything in the ground. And sometimes for us, adults especially, and students, think about school and the kids you know, sometimes part of our responsibility as we sow the seed is to help break up the hardened hearts of the people that are around us. Sometimes that's our calling. Maybe you need to sit at the lunch table, students, on Monday. Are y'all in school on Monday? Tuesday. Maybe you need to sit at the lunch table on Tuesday, and you need to realize that kid that really annoys you, 
that gets on your nerves that you don't really like and nobody else really likes. Maybe that kid's got a home life like you can't even imagine. Maybe there's some things going on in that kid's life that you're unaware of that have hardened that kid's heart. Maybe that teacher that you don't like that sometimes seems to have a bad day and gets mad at everybody in the class and yells at you and gives you a lot of extra assignments and just makes you angry at that teacher. Maybe you need to understand that sometimes that teacher's going through things that you're unaware of. Maybe that teacher's struggling with some things that you don't know about. We need to be aware of the people around us as we sow the seed of the gospel and understand that we need to prepare the soil ahead of time. Because God says, listen, when the soil is right, this is beautiful, look at verse 20. God says, listen, when the soil is right, when it's good soil, those that were sown on the good soil, and sometimes it takes time for the soil to be right, sometimes it takes us speaking to somebody week after week, month after month, year after year, praying for these people, breaking up the, 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 the hardness of their heart so they can receive the gospel. But when the soil is good, those ones that hear the word accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold. God says, listen, when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, And when the heart is ready to receive it, great growth occurs. And let's continue. Look at verse 21. And he said to them, right, going to the same kind of idea here about sharing and being involved and loving people. He asked this interesting question. Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? The answer is no. You don't put a lamp under a basket. That doesn't make any sense. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 26, and he said to them, the kingdom of God is as if a man would scatter the seed on the ground. Same idea here. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Verse 28, the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the air. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Here's the second truth I want you to see this morning, very simply. We must share our faith and then trust the Lord to do the work, right? We got to share our faith. We got to share the gospel. We got to scatter the seed. We got to love others. And then we've got to trust the Lord to do the work. It's interesting to me when we read about this farmer or this sower, it doesn't really talk about him worrying about where the seed goes. It doesn't talk about him wondering about whether he should talk to this person or talk to that person spread it over here or spread it over there. There's this sense that this sower, this farmer, shares the gospel, shares the word. Everywhere he goes, some are going to receive it, some are not. I think it's very easy for us, and, and I can maybe speak for myself, it's very easy for me sometimes to assume things about other people. <laughs> I know nobody else has ever done that, right? No, none of y'all do that? But it's easy for me to assume things like, well, you know, there's no way that person's going to receive the gospel. Well, there's no way that person's going to be interested in listening to me. You ever, I do this sometimes. I walk through Walmart or Kroger, public, wherever you go in the mall, whatever. You walk to these public places and, and you see people and you wonder their story. You ever do that? 
I, I'm, I'm like that. I, I kind of watch people sometimes, and I'm just curious, and I oftentimes wonder how they would respond. Would they receive? Would they listen? And oftentimes, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, I wonder, you know, would that person really listen? That's not what the Scripture teaches. It's not about me choosing where I scatter the seed. It's about me being faithful to scatter the seed wherever I am, then allow the Lord to do the work in the midst of what I'm doing. You understand that? There's a big difference there. And so I'm going to give you five areas, just five ways that you can scatter the seed kind of in, in modern terms, right? This is just a, a designed to get you thinking a little bit, to, to realize and understand ways in which you can do this. We have them on the screen. The first one is just through your personal conversations, right? We have personal conversations all the time. What if you kind of sprinkled in some seed of the gospel in your personal conversations? What would that look like? Because we're real good at sprinkling in gossip, we're real good at sprinkling in our anger at something. We're real good at sprinkling in how we're not happy about something or somebody wronged us or we wish this. How often are we sprinkling into our conversations the seed of the gospel? The second way you can do this is through your example and your lifestyle. Right? You, you live a life every day that other people are watching. Students, I'm telling you, you go to, shirt, you go to school with a D-now shirt on, you're a target all of a sudden. Right? Oh, well. So-and-so goes to church. I'm going to watch so-and-so, and I'm going to see if they really live the way that they say they should live. I'm going to see if they really act the way they say they should act. Because it's one way to talk the talk. It's one thing to talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk, right? We should be living in such a way that people see Christ in us. Third, you can give a testimony of God's work in your life. You know, students, what a, what a great opportunity on Tuesday morning when you go to school to share with somebody what God did in your heart this weekend. How cool would that be? Hey, man, I, I did this cool thing. I did this cool thing this weekend. D now, disciple now. We stayed at homes and had some worship and, and heard this great speaker. And, and, man, great thing. Let me tell you what God showed me and revealed to me this week. What a great opportunity you have right now, students, to share with people around you what God has done in your life. Number four, invite someone to church. Some people just say, you know what, I'm scared to death to talk about Jesus I'm scared to death to share my faith. Uh, I don't think I have the right answers. I don't know if I know enough Bible verses. I hear that all the time. By the way, that's not true. It's not true. You can share your faith. But if you just kind of freeze up and can't do it, the very least you could do is invite them to church. Listen, I'd love you to come and, and meet some of my friends at church, meet my Sunday school teacher, meet my pastor. I'd love for you to come with me Sunday morning and be involved in our church. You can invite somebody to church. Here's a fifth way you can sow the seeds of the gospel, technology. Now, I'm speaking your language now. Right. Can y'all believe when I was in school, there were no iPhones? I know. I mean, dude, can you believe that? Like, uh, y'all are probably thinking, what would you do during church? <laughs> I'm watching you. Right? But technology to this group right here is native. Like, they, they don't, they don't, they, they've kind of never lived in a time where there wasn't internet. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? Hard to imagine. Like, it's hard to imagine life without Snapchat. Like, how could you live without Snapchat, right? But it, it's, it's kind of different for us, right, us, the older group, but it's native to them, right? So, students, you got to figure out a way to leverage that technology for the sake of the gospel. That's what you ought to be doing. Like, sprinkling in the seed of the gospel when you're on Snapchat, right? Or, or Twitter, or Facebook, or whatever you do, Instagram, wh wherever you are in the social media world, you should be sprinkling, sowing the seeds of the gospel. Because the Bible says, listen, we should sow this seed 
everywhere we go and then trust the Lord to do the work. Because you say, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if my friend would listen to me. I don't know if she wants to hear. But it doesn't matter what you think. We should do it anyway. The sower doesn't decide where the seed goes. The sower spreads it everywhere, and then something pretty incredible happens. The Bible says that the Lord does the work. Pull up verse 26 again. I want you to see this. The kingdom of God is as if a man would scatter seed on the ground, right? So just sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel, sprinkling in the gospel in conversation, sprinkling in Instagram, talking about it at school, sprinkling those things in. Then verse 27, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. And watch this. He knows not how. See, the, the mystery of the gospel is that it's our calling to sow the seed. Everything else is up to Christ. You understand that? That, that, ought, that ought to take a, a lot of weight off your shoulders. Like, it's not your responsibility to save somebody. Did you know that? It's not your responsibility to convict somebody of their sins. It's not your responsibility to make sure that they accept Jesus. Although you want all those things to happen and you're part of that process, your responsibility is to share the love of Christ with them, to share the gospel with them, and then allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to work in their hearts. Because I've found something in my life that I didn't understand before. It's this. The Holy Spirit is an awful lot better at convicting people than I am. Holy Spirit's a lot better at working in people's hearts than I ever will be. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul says, I planted, same idea, Apollos, somebody different, watered, but God gave the growth. Now here's the struggle. Here's the struggle. You guys are going to come out of this weekend excited, passionate, fired up, and you should be. It's been an incredible weekend for you. You're going to get a break tomorrow, sleep in a little bit, right, recover, which is a great, the scheduling was perfect, y'all sleep a little bit, relax. You're going to hit it again Tuesday morning early. You're going to go to school. You're going to be excited. You're going to share. You're going to tell somebody about Jesus. They're going to hear about it. And all of a sudden, here's the, here's the struggle. Now, stay with me. Here's the struggle when you share with, with these people. You're going to be so excited. You expect great things to happen tomorrow. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. And if you're not careful, you're, you're way up here from D now, and you share your faith two or three times, and these people don't change like you think they ought to, all of a sudden you begin to kind of nosedive, right? we got to be patient. Right? It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So we understand, listen, when, I, when I'm investing in somebody's life by, by spreading the gospel to them, and I'm loving them, and I'm showing them who Christ is in the way I live, and I'm having conversations with them. We understand sometimes we need to be patient in that process. James 5, 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains, and then it grows. This idea of trusting, being patient, following the Lord. We need to finish up. We're, we're, we're low on time. Let's jump on to verse 30. We need to finish this thing up. Verse 30, he said to me, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, by the way, is tiny. Some of y'all probably didn't know mustard came from a seed. Did y'all know that? Yeah, it starts with a little bitty seed. Y'all think it's just a yellow bottle. What can we compare the kingdom of God or the parable shall we use for? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. 
Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With such parables, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained. Here's the best part, right? Just follow with me. We sow the seed. We're faithful to share our faith, whatever that looks like. We trust the Lord with the growth. We trust the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of the people. And then truth number three, when we do those things, the kingdom of God will grow. It's not rocket science. It's not some fancy marketing campaign. It's not doing certain crazy things. It's very simply living for Christ, sharing his gospel, trusting the Lord to work, and then seeing the increase. When I was a kid, we, we, we lived in a house that was, it was right near our church. And there was a big parking lot there in the church, and it was, it was asphalt. And right by the parking lot were these beautiful oak trees. And when I was a young kid, these oak trees looked like they were 1,000 feet tall, right? They probably weren't. But I was little, and they were big. That's all I knew. And this interesting thing happened. Students, I don't know if you've ever noticed this in a parking lot. It doesn't happen as much anymore, I think, because they're a little more mindful of it. But about 10 feet from the edge of the parking lot by these big oak trees, the, the, the asphalt was a little bit rippled. It wasn't, wasn't flat anymore. And about five feet from the edge, it was rippled even more. And right up to the edge of the asphalt, the, the asphalt was kind of really rippled and cracked and broken up in places. And as a kid, I didn't fully understand that. I didn't quite understand what was going on. The the older I got, and as I look back on it now, I understand that those oak trees, as they grew, the roots under the ground that we couldn't see, that supported that tree, were growing up through that asphalt. And I I wouldn't have noticed it if I'd gone one day and then the next. I wouldn't have seen a difference. If I'd have gone back a week later, I wouldn't have seen a difference. Even a month later, but year after year after year after year, those oak trees grow and the roots grow. And over time, watch this, this is important. Even the smallest little acorn can break up the hardest ground. Like That's the mystery of the gospel. That's the truth of what Christ is teaching us. We've got to continue to teach, continue to preach, continue to go, continue to love. It's a process that begins with our faithfulness of sharing and trusting Christ and ends with a growth a hundredfold for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for this parable, Father. It's clear and understandable and challenging, Father, a reminder of who we ought to be, of how we ought to live, of your faithfulness in the process. Lord, I pray you would speak to us in mighty and powerful ways. Lord, use these students to do great things. May they be challenged this morning with this word and the other that they've heard this weekend. We'll praise your name for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. Opportunity for you to sing or respond. You come as we sing together this morning.
Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.